welcome to Unleash Your Creative Magic. It's absolutely amazing to have you here. I'm your host, Helen Pfeiffer, a published writer of 17 crime novels, both traditionally and indie published. And I'm here to talk to you about the magic of writing, unleashing your creativity, and how to set yourself free from being stuck inside the writer's closet. I'd like to share my journey with you from that initial idea for a book to where I am now and all the very messy stuff in between, the highs, the lows, and the fuck me, this is impossible moments. I hope that somewhere along the way, this podcast might be of some use to you. You might even find some inspiration lurking in here. So grab yourself a coffee and come and join me on the writer's couch as we dive right into living your best creative life. Welcome to Unleash Our Creative Magic. If you've come back for more, then thank you. And if this is your first time, then I hope you enjoy it and find it of some use. Today I'd like to talk about first drafts and what exactly we should be focusing on. I've talked about plotting, but what about an outline? And is there any difference between the two? Your plot is a series of key points, pivotal moments and events that build your story. An outline is a simplified summary of the story, which is useful when you come to writing it and the dreaded synopsis, but we're not going to get into that just yet. So outlining is basically writing a one or two page summary of your story. Do you need to do this? Well, it's completely up to you. If you get a bit lost though when you're writing, it's really helpful to have something to refer back to. And just because you wrote it before you started, it doesn't mean that you can't change it as you're going along. You will find that once you get started writing, then your characters and story will take on a complete life of their own. I often find that I end up rewriting the middle part of my outline because those pesky characters have decided to do things I never even thought about in the original plot or outline. But it's all good. It's all part of being creative. And as long as they're working towards moving the story forward, then this is perfectly fine. For example, if your character goes off on a tangent and decides to go on a mountain climb for no reason other than they fancy a day up on the fells, then this is irrelevant and you should be asking yourself, what is it bringing to the story? Morgan Brooks sitting on the top of a mountain eating a cheese sandwich isn't going to help her find out who is sneaking around killing off her people. But if she's on the mountain because she thinks that the killer might be hiding up there, then that's great and it's moving the story forward and it then becomes completely relevant. She can drink coffee and eat a cheese sandwich on the way up there by all means, but give her a purpose to even be thinking about going up that mountain. I read somewhere that once you start writing, it's all in the details. But how much? And what kind of details are they talking about? And please note that everything I talk about is my is only my point of view. I can only tell about my own experiences and publicise ones of other writers. So how I perceive this is that the details of your character's personalities and traits and the settings they are in should all appeal to a reader's senses. This brings them into your story and this is what gives them that magical experience that when your characters are about to make some jaw-dropping discovery, then so are your readers. You want them to be present and as invested in the story as you are. Ways to do this is by describing what your character can see, hear, smell and touch. In my story, One Left Alive, Detective Constable Morgan Brooks is about to go into the basement at the home of a missing family that didn't get checked the day before in a search of the house. And if you're squeamish, then I'd skip this part. I've taken a few sample lines from this chapter at different parts, which is chapter 9, by the way, just in case you're wondering. She took the key from her pocket and opened the front door once more. It didn't smell quite so pleasant as when she'd gone inside yesterday. She could still smell the plug-in air freshener. 
but there was another darker, heavier scent beneath it. So this is my first warning to readers that something is amiss. The smell she detected when she'd first walked in the house was coming from down there. It was much stronger, like rotting meat. She crossed her fingers and hoped that maybe a freezer had defrosted. So here's a bit of wishful thinking on Morgan's part that there is a reasonable explanation for the awful smell. There was so much blood pooled on the floor around the bodies. She stared at the thick, dark clots that had formed. She felt as if she was knee-deep in it. She breathed deeply through her mouth so she wouldn't inhale the strong odour. If only it had been a broken freezer. The smell was cloying, sickly and unbearable. Her stomach was doing some weird thing and the back of her mouth was filling with water. So obviously in this scene, it's all about what she can smell. The subtle underlying hint of something gone off as she first walked into the house is suggesting to the reader that something is very wrong here. Letting them figure out before she does that she's about to stumble onto something terrible. Now I'm not a literary writer and I don't claim to be, but I like to think that my writing manages to convey what it would be like to be at a crime scene. I want my readers to be there with my character Morgan. I want them to go through what she is so they feel the horror of her tragic discovery alongside her. I'm trying to invoke a sense of dread by using her sense of smell if that sounds right. Don't be our own harshest critic by the way. Reading back through that I can find words that I would change. But you can only change our writing so much. By the time my books get to the published stage I never want to look at them ever again because of all the work that's gone into them to get them to this point. By the time it hits the bookshops, it has had structural edits, more structural, I can't pronounce that, more structural edits, line edits, copy edits, proofreading queries, and then a final proofread before it gets signed off and you no longer have to torture yourself rereading the same lines over and over again. If you are too harsh on yourself, then you'll end up never writing another thing. And trust me, it happened to me when I first started after that lovely short story, Moon Cycle. And if this is your first time listening... Then I talk about that delightful tale in episode one. Your main objective with your first draft is to just write the damn thing. And I know some writers go back over and edit what they wrote the day before. If this is how you like to work, then don't let me stop you. If, however, you're at the, I have an idea, I want to write a story. I'd like to finish the story, but I'm not sure what the hell I'm doing stage. Then I wouldn't suggest going back and editing every little thing. Just keep on writing to get to the end of your story. When you need to break for the day, it's useful if you can finish the current chapter you're working on. I've read advice that some writers stop halfway through writing a chapter, or even a sentence, so they can pick it up the next day. And I've done this, not intentionally, but because I've had a phone call from a child who is in need of a McDonald's right now, and they can't get there because they have a hangover from hell or whatever. And yes, I really need to learn to say no, but I'm a pushover, and I love my kids despite the fact that they can drive me insane at times. Or, I've had to go to work. Isn't that a kicker? When you're in the floor and you have to stop doing what you really love to go and do the day job. But when I've gone back the next day to continue, sometimes I can. But most likely, I've completely lost that train of thought. And I can't remember what the hell was going to happen next. If you can, I suggest getting to the end of that chapter or the part you're writing about. So you don't have to spend ages staring at it the next time you go back to it. And wondering what the fuck is that all about. How else can you add details? How do you describe your characters? I could have said Ben looked as rough as a dog's ass, but instead I described how he felt when he took a close look at himself. He glanced in the rearview mirror. 
His hair was in desperate need of a cut. He had a beard that was more homeless guy who doesn't have a mirror than trendy. And as for the double chins, he cringed. Christ, he'd really let himself go. Cindy would be horrified to see him looking like this. You could look through books you've read and see how your favourite writers describe their characters and scenes and settings. I adore a story with an atmospheric setting. It helps you to be transported right into the pages of the book when you can picture yourself there alongside your characters, ready to do battle, fall in love, fight the monsters or stop the killer. These are some of the most outstanding settings and places I've visited through immersing myself in a story. My absolute favourite book that I read last year was Where the Crawdads Sing, and it's set in the marshlands of North Carolina. Kaya the little girl grows up in these lonely marshes and swamps that meet the sea. And well, if you haven't read this book yet, I don't want to spoil it for you. But it's a beautiful story that places you in a whole different way of seeing life through Kaya's eyes. The setting is remote, bleak and hauntingly beautiful. When she is sailing her pa's little beat-up motorboat, you can feel the breeze in your hair as the reeds rush by and hear the gulls crying as they circle above your head. This really is a beautiful setting and the story stayed with me for a very long time after I'd finished it. Some of my favourite books have been set in the most amazing of places. Take The Shining by Stephen King. It's set in a grand old haunted hotel high in the mountains that gets closed up for the winter every year with just a caretaker, his wife and young child living on site. We are told in the beginning that the previous caretaker went mad and murdered his family with an axe. What could possibly go wrong? When I read that story for the first time, I was there living in that vast desolate hotel, wandering the corridors scared of my own shadow and afraid to look into the empty guest rooms for fear of what I might see inside them. I was with Wendy and felt the isolation and terror when she realised that her husband Jack was no longer the man she'd arrived with. Instead, he'd been taken over by the darkness inside the hotel. My heart was racing as she was trying to get out of that small window in the bathroom whilst he was chopping his way through the locked door with an axe. And Hogwarts conjures up the most magical of places. A haunted boarding school full of wonder and mystery that is home to a trainee witches and wizards. It's full of secret passages, colourful characters and is truly a wonderful setting for a story. Who wouldn't like to visit Hogwarts? Look how it captured readers' imaginations all over the world. Hill House, not saying, stood by itself against its hills, holding darkness within. It had stood so for 80 years and might stand for 80 more. How amazing is this? Have you read The Haunting of Hill House by Shirley Jackson? It's set in a long-abandoned mansion that belonged to the rich and eccentric Ukraine and it's the perfect place for a group of psychic researchers to hunker down to try and find proof of the paranormal. It was released in 1959 and it's still a classic today. It's a ghost story that has spurned Hollywood films and a Netflix series with a modern take on this timeless tale. My book The Ghost House is set in a crumbling abandoned haunted mansion, deep in the woods, where a serial killer likes to take his victims. When Annie Graham dares to go inside, she is instantly transported back to the time when the house was alive and a grand place to live. As she explores the long empty rooms and halls, she can envision what it looked like back when it was a bustling household, filled with sumptuous velvet drapes, the finest antiques, all taken care of by servants and a wealthy family who lived there with the darkest of secrets. So where is your story set? Is there something special about it? that will make it stick in your readers' minds and hearts. If it is, then you're onto a winner, because by capturing their imaginations and transporting them to a different world, it will have them turning the pages and wanting to come back to read more. 
Hopefully these examples will give you something to think about and be of some use to you. I promise it's not just an excuse to blather on about my books or is it? Actually it's not. I just keep thinking back to when I was starting out on this journey and I wished I had someone I could ask about this stuff or someone who could explain it to me in a way that I understood without using big posh writerly words to confuse me even more than I already was. If you have any questions, you can pop them on the Facebook page or get in touch with me via the Unleash Your Creative Magic website. I'll add the links to the show notes. Thank you so much for listening. I can't wait to speak with you again. And wherever you are in the world, have a fabulous day. If you'd like to check out my credentials to see if I know what I'm talking about, then head over to my Amazon page. And if you'd like to join a community of like-minded creatives, then head over to the Unleash Your Creative Magic Facebook group paste the links in the show notes thank you so much for listening i honestly can't wait to speak to you in the next episode where i'll dive into the process of how i wrote my first book until next time take care